I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, everyone. Sorry to join you a few minutes late today, but uh, I am constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and uh, I wanted to get the information for you today just right. Uh, there's a ton out there. Um, I think it's a, an often overlooked topic, and uh, I wanted to give you tons of information at the same time of not overwhelming you either, uh, or putting you to sleep because, uh, well, legal stuff we all realize is uh, not always uh, an, an attention grabber, so to speak. So, uh, hi, Dale. Thanks for joining us on YouTube today. Um, so again, for those of you uh, just joining, it looks like we're having some people uh, come on board. Uh, I'm constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry, and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. So uh, today is gonna be a little bit different. Uh, for those of you who've gotten used to our episodes, um, these, you know, I've done hundreds of educational videos uh, in the last couple of years, but, um, you know, with my life hopefully settling down a little bit more, and uh, we're now realizing that we're in this for the long haul. Uh, I don't have to necessarily be flying by the seat of my pants and uh, do these um, urgent videos um, at a moment's notice at one o'clock in the morning or, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, whenever something is, is happening right then and there, which has been what um, all of 2020 and most of 2021 was all about, uh, at least with the work that I was doing. And and it, it showed that it was needed because even if I went live at one o'clock in the morning, I had uh, tons of people right then and there uh, paying attention and learning and having that discussion with me about the law, about the constitution, about what our government was doing. So uh, we now have our Restore Freedom weekly episode, though, and uh, there's different segments in it where I want to <clears throat> make sure we're all on the same page about, um, you know, different aspects. I want to give you freedom fighting tools. I want to give you a, a way to get involved challenge. I want to give you the opportunity to support um, Restore Freedom and help spread the word. I want to give you some biblical insight on the particular topics that we're talking about. And I think it's important when I'm giving you this much information on um, a particular topic about, you know, what the Constitution has to say or what statutes have to say or whatever, that we do some kind of recap um, later on in the week so that it can kind of resonate and, and sink in a little bit more and refresh your memory. Uh, so that is what Restore Freedom Weekly has become, uh, this being our 13th week of doing it this format. But like I started to say at the beginning here, this week is going to be a little bit different and probably different uh, from now on uh, in the sense that I'm no longer going to be doing the uh, giving you the in-depth uh, freedom fighting tools description that uh, those links are uh, available um, in the description of this video but the freedom fighting friday uh will have its own video 
instead of just being a recap of that part of today's uh, show. So Friday, tune in and we will do um, a much shorter video that is just on those freedom fighting tools and walking you through that and how to use them. Uh, tomorrow, it was typically our way to get involved Wednesday challenge, uh, our get involved challenge of the week. Uh, we're still going to do that on Wednesdays, but it's not going to be a recap of what we've discussed here. Instead, on Wednesdays from now on, that will be the only place that we're really discussing the challenge of the week besides uh, the newsletter that we send out uh, on Sundays. Uh, we um, try to think of what other segments that we normally have, but um, the uh, and you know the biblical insight. Uh, it's important to start uh, all of our work that we're doing with aligning it with God's will and looking to uh, his word for wisdom in how we're supposed to approach any particular subject in this uh, fight for freedom. But uh, I also do want to keep our videos as succinct as possible. And those of you who've been following along and learning about the education of uh, constitution and statutes uh, with me over the last couple of years know that I always have so much information. It is really hard for me to keep the videos short. So with that being said, our biblical insight will still be a thing, but those videos will just be uh, released on Sundays and we will um, include the topic as well in our Sunday newsletter. So uh, now that you understand a little bit uh, more about our new format and just that we're cutting out some segments just to save them for later in the week, uh, I do want to let you know that uh, with our newsletter being sent out the last two weekends, I forgot to mention that I was going to be on my friend Micah's uh, 2A EDU channel, uh, which was this last Friday night, I believe. We were on from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we talked about uh, specifically, well, it's, it's 2A EDU. So you can imagine we were talking about things related to firearms. Uh, we were talking about the ATF and its recent um, pushes to try to create or change laws within its own um, four walls and uh, at times even in trying to enforce these um, um, secret, let alone illegal and unconstitutional new laws, air quotes, uh, for those of you just listening and not watching. But um, anyway, it's a great discussion that will further help your understanding of how uh, some of the things that I've been trying to teach you guys about in the last couple of years, how it applies in a real world setting. And many of you watching this, in fact, I'm going to guess almost all of you that are watching this live or will be watching it later are going to be advocates of freedom and certainly your own right to keep and bear arms. So with that being said, to see how uh, the topics we've been talking about apply to that particular, um, you know, uh, part of our daily lives, your ability to, for self-defense and uh, to keep and bear arms, please check out that episode. We have it uh, re- aired or whatnot uh, on our own channels, as well as you can go to Micah's uh, 2AEDU channel and uh, get more information that way. Uh, we, gee, I don't think there's anything else coming up in the next week. Uh, I also failed to mention that I was on For the Republic, again, a, a radio slash podcast, a radio show and podcast um, over in California. That was um, two Sundays ago now. So that is also available on our website. Speaking of website, do want to let you know that we've encountered some significant technical difficulties 
<clears throat> I guess so is my voice, uh, in the last, I don't know, week or so. And uh, at one point on Friday last week, our entire website was down. Like the pages were all blank when you went there. That is uh, for the most part fixed, at least temporarily. But I know that our website needs some updating. I know that you need a lot more information right at your fingertips. It's much easier when you're in the midst of something or in the moment and you want to look something up or maybe you're having a great fruitful discussion with one of your own kids or your neighbor or friend or something and you just, you know I have a resource that you could pull up and help you with something. I want that to be something where you can truly pull it up in the moment and see it and uh, utilize it more quickly. So. Uh, I am going to be doing some significant updates to the website. Our tech team that we've had all along is extremely busy with a ton of other projects, many of them freedom fighting. Uh, so for example, those of you in Michigan who know my friend Joe Moss, he is one of the integral parts of our tech team. And uh, if you know him, then you know how many things he's involved in and the, the freedom fight he has taken on since I've met him. So uh, I have to, uh, you guys have to be patient with me as I learn essentially how to build a whole new website and to keep it updated, uh, on my own. Uh, if anybody wants to help in that regard, you have some technical expertise and you want to volunteer, please let us know. Okay. So for today's topic, it's, um, <laughs> Let me just say that anyone watching this video, uh, you know, without me even having to explain how that our government has been playing us for the fool for the last two years. Well, quite frankly, even longer than that. But uh, for the sake of argument here, for the last two years, they've been straight up playing us for the fool. And with this Friday being April Fool's Day, I thought it would be only fitting that now is the time that we take a stand and refuse to allow the government to continue playing us for the fool. Uh, so this week, we're going to deepen our understanding on what the law really is and what it's not. You know, we've talked about that topic in general, uh, <clears throat> and I've gone over uh, in a very peripheral sense some of this information, especially with resolutions before. But today we're going to address um, whether a resolution has the same effect as a law and uh is, uh, is a resolution a legal constitutional way to regulate the people? So um, hang on, because we're going to have a ton of information in today's episode, but it's important and you'll see why. Um, so first of all, let's start with uh, what are the terms I'm even talking about? You know, we have resolution. Um, I've talked about ordinances. Um, there's the root word resolve, ordain. Uh, let's just start there so we can all be on the same page about what we're even talking about before we get into any of the details. So if you look up the root word of resolution, it's resolve. And resolve means to um, decide firmly on a course of action. Okay, that makes sense. And that's the Oxford Dictionary that's available online um, right now. Ordain, what does that mean? Okay, resolutions, ordinances, resolve, ordain. So ordain means to order or decree something officially. So declare or order, to tell someone to do something officially. Okay, so now we have resolve and, and um, ordain. So ordinance, well, an ordinance is commonly accepted and understood as a local law. It is the, the way that, you know, you have uh, Congress passing legislation, which are federal code, federal statutes. You have your state legislatures that are passing your state laws. Um, 
or state statutes. Uh, and then you have your local municipalities, your um, your counties, your township cities, uh, villages, and they are passing your um, ordinances to be laws. Um, sometimes that's in the form of, you know, a speed limit or, um, you know, zoning ordinances, how you can use or not use other property, uh, things like that. So um, now resolution is actually defined as a statement of the feelings, wishes, or decisions of a group. I got that one from Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, uh, just the first term that happened to show up in a Google search. Again, resolution is a statement of the feelings, wishes, or decisions of a group. Okay, that sounds kind of general, but it's important and it's distinct from um, ordaining something uh, or ordering something officially to happen. Saying we prefer this uh, versus I'm ordering you to go and do something. Those are two totally different things. So why does any of this even matter? Why is this, uh, am I playing a ling linguistics game because I'm bored? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, in fact, I spent hours and hours researching this, even though I've already briefed it to the Michigan Court of Appeals and beyond. Um, I wanted to make sure I had it right because it is important. Well, the first thing we need to understand is that, um, as many of you know, we cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And I would think Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian Party, doesn't matter. You probably, uh, if you're breathing, have some sort of value in uh, the government not being able to deny you your life to kill you to deny you any of your liberty, your freedom to do anything at all, uh, or deprive you of your property, your right to acquire and own your own things that nobody else can just take away from you. Uh, you value those things, Republican, Democrat, anybody, right? Um, <clears throat> apolitical, you value your right to live, uh, to act freely, and to own things. And if the government is going to try to take that away from you, <clears throat> you want to make sure that it's done appropriately, that it's done the right way. So uh, <clears throat> where do we get this from? How is that guaranteed to us? Because our rights, remember, are given to us by God. So where does this guarantee come from? Where is the protection or security for uh, this right come from? Well, U.S. Constitution in the Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, in both of those, there is that language that we cannot be deprived our life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Um, the Michigan State Constitution, um, Article 1, Section 17, and the Florida State Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, those are where you find in those two state constitutions are guarantee to not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. If you live outside of Florida or Michigan, I can almost guarantee you, no matter what state you live in, that you have one of those provisions in your own state constitution, and I would encourage you to find your state constitution and take a look at where that is. Um, and see how it's worded. If there's something drastically different than how uh, these constitutions I've cited are, are worded, please reach out to us and let us know. But from what I've seen so far, they're all by and large the same. So again, why is that? How does that apply to what we're talking about today? Resolutions and um, hi, Bobby on YouTube. Um, resolutions and uh, ordinances and all the rest. Well, the Supreme Court uh, back in 1965 in the Cox v. Louisiana case 
U.S. Supreme Court uh, reminded us, if not declared, that it is the responsibility on the part of all citizens to obey valid laws and regulations. We have to obey the law. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You've heard that many times before. But this is a case that came straight from the Michigan Supreme Court in 1965, Cox v. Louisiana. And they're saying that we have a duty as citizens to obey all valid laws and regulations. Valid being the key. What is valid and what is not? Well, you know, we could go on about all the regulations that are on the books that are not valid, but... We're just talking about that in the context of resolutions today. So uh, I bring all this up because legislative acts, whether it be your state or local, whatever, legislative acts regulating the people are done through, um, they're done by bill or uh, that's at the state level or federal level. Um, otherwise, they're done by um, um, ordinance, which we just talked about. Uh, at a lo more local level, but they're done by bill uh, made into law through established procedures in order to provide that due process, right? You can't just say, well, I'm going to regulate the people, but uh, over here, I'm going to have statutes and over here, uh, we're going to have some administrative rules. Oh, wait, they do do that, but it's not, it's not legit. Um, we're going to have some uh, other, you know, laws that you have to abide by over here. No, it literally has to be in order for us to have due process of any kind. We have to be able to find the law. We have to be able to read it and, and know it and understand it. Otherwise you don't have due process. If you can't even have access to what the law is, then there's no way you have due process regarding that law. Funny thing is, same topic that we talked about on uh, the 2AEDU uh, video this last weekend. Uh, hi, Free Me. <laughs> um, love back to all of you uh, in Michigan who are watching right now. Uh, so <clears throat> I receive many questions quite frequently, actually, about um, resolutions and ordinances and can my local government do this? And the local police chief said this to me and, you know, they're not, they're denying me access to this meeting or that government facility or this private business, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, some of the time, uh, that is directly related to what is a local regulation. And, uh, the very question has come up to me, uh, many times about, well, can I be, uh, you know, can they enforce this regulation on me if it's in a city or township resolution? It's it's not a law. It's not an ordinance. It's a resolution. Are those the same as laws? Like, you know, they're telling us executive orders are laws, are resolutions laws too? So uh, it does happen. And besides from just those calls and emails and text messages, et cetera, that I've been getting uh, on a regular basis for the last two years about that topic alone, I have my own real world personal example of how this dichotomy, this difference between a resolution and an ordinance, the proper way for a local government to regulate the people and not, um, how that plays out. If you have not seen the actual arrest video from me on November 3rd, 2020, when I was uh, serving as an attorney and representing people who were having their rights um, denied by a local township at um, um, a local um, 
election precinct, then uh, I ask you when this video is over to play that. It's right on the front page of my website. It's also on our YouTube channel and, and uh, Rumble and everything. But the easiest way is to go to RestoreFreedomKH.com. It's right on the front page of the website. And, uh, and that'll have some more explanatory stuff at the beginning. It'll have um, the aftermath videos from right after I was taken out of handcuffs uh, through to the next, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. So overall, the video, I think, is like 40, 45 minutes. But the actual incident itself is not that long. If you only have a little bit of time, watch that. Listen to it. Even if you're just at work and you can't watch the video, listen to it today. I'm a pretty passionate person. I fight for freedom. Uh, I, I'm compassionate and understanding towards others. So I feel the pain of others when I receive calls and they're being denied medical treatment because they can't wear a mask or something like that. Um, I want to help uh, because I feel for other people, but I myself am not so much an emotional person. Um, everything I do is based on logic and um, reasoning. And, uh, you know, I'm just not a typical woman, I guess, in that sense. What you hear in that video is me trying to reason with law enforcement and the township clerk. And when they turned violent on me, you can hear my screams, my pleas to them, to anyone to help me because what they were doing to me, they're physically harming me. They were dragging me away from my car and sitting in my car, eating her snack and doing her schoolwork was my then six-year-old precious daughter, Emma. So, um, if you ever hear, if you ever see me crying, uh, something's really big. I'm either so happy. I just laughed my ass off and I am crying for, you know, tears of laughter, right? Um, or even crying tears of joy. It has to be really big. If you see me crying at all, not that there's a problem with crying. That's just how I'm built. It's huge. And in that video, you can see and hear me not only crying, but screaming for help. So why do I want you to watch that? Well, because that video trial date, by the way, is still upcoming. They've dragged it out and moved it um, over and over and over again. Now, June 15th in Allegan County Courthouse is, is when and where we'll be there for, for that case. But although that case serves for a great example of a lot of things, the main problem there, or the original problem, I should say, is that the township clerk was trying to use a township resolution said right on it. In fact, my website, you can see all the documents, uh, that original resolution and everything else that I filed in the case and the prosecutors filed. It literally said resolution. Um, it, um, lost my notes. How fun. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's exhibit seven in my original, uh, filings. It was res resolution 2016-10-1. It was called Township Property Public Access Resolution. It says on there, it is hereby resolved. And in this resolution and the foregoing resolution, all that establishes, without a doubt, we're talking about a resolution. But if you watch the video and you listen carefully, the deputy and the township clerk are talking about an ordinance. They're trying to enforce an ordinance, which by the way, they, they don't even fully read the ordinance ordinance, the resolution. They don't fully read it. 
the way they're interpreting it is totally unconstitutional and illegal anyway. But we're not bringing up all those points for the purposes of today. For the purposes of today, I just want to focus on the fact that they think they have the authority to do what they're doing to me because the resolution tells them they can. So they're trying to, they are in the end, physically harming me, arresting me, beating the crap out of me, leaving me with bumps and bruises and scratches and contusions uh, and post-traumatic stress. I mean, not only for me, but for my daughter who was there and saw the whole thing. And all of that over the fact they're trying to enforce a resolution, supposedly trying to do that. So that provides you just one, just one real life, serious, scary example of why this topic is important. And keep in mind, I am in by, by no stretch of the imagination, the only person that has had this resolution uh, versus ordinance thing uh, become a scary issue. So how can you fight back? Well, of course, knowledge, right? If you don't want to happen to you what happened to me, uh, the best thing you could do, the first thing you need to do is uh, grow that skill, uh, that um, the ability, the, the knowledge base that you have to fight back. Know what the law is and what it isn't, what a resolution is allowed to do and what an ordinance is allowed to do. Um, so before we get into too much of the, the boring legal part, let's take a simplistic look. This is not my true biblical insight uh, segment that those topics are actually, will they will be covered on Sunday. But I do want to point out just a couple things here about what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. There's literally no mention in the Bible about using a resolution uh, to regulate the people in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. And before you jump uh, to conclusions and say, well, Catherine, it's written in a totally different era, and uh, there were no such things as ordinances and statutes and all that fun stuff. Before you run and say something like that, I want you to remember uh, or maybe realize for the first time that that is not true. In fact, uh, all through Ezekiel, Second Chronicles, Numbers, Leviticus, Exodus, there is a discussion about not only ordinances, but they're referred to as lasting ordinances or ordinances that you must, uh, that you and your generations after you must follow. Okay, so lasting. Uh, rules to, to live by is essentially how um, it's used in the Bible. In fact, uh, the word statute actually does appear in the Bible three times, but the real main way that it's used uh, in this sense is um, it's found in 1 Samuel 30, verse 25. And that part reads, David made this a statute and ordinance for Israel from this from that day to this. So even the Bible is telling us statutes, ordinances, they are one and the same in the sense that they are laws that the people must follow. Okay? Bible's telling us that. So where do we go from there? Well, okay, why don't we take a step back and define what they really are, right? We talked about the straight up definition of 
an ordinance uh, and uh, a resolution or to resolve or, or to ordain something. But let's look at what our government, our legislative bodies actually think about what these are. So in general, a resolution, you have different types, but if you just think about a resolution in general, the Library of Congress says that, and if I don't have these posted anywhere later, uh, anywhere right now, I will do this um, in some way, shape or form. We'll cover it again on Thursday in our constitution segment recap. I'll try to have either a PowerPoint or something else for you to be able to download and look at. Uh, but the Library of Congress tells us that legislature legislation introduced in either the House of Representatives or the Senate, um, but unlike bills that uh, may be limited so, okay, resolutions are said to be on the Library of Congress website legislation, but they are legislation that, unlike bills, may uh, be limited in effect to Congress, you know, how they function, what, what they're doing, um, or one of the chambers of Congress. So you could have uh, a resolution covering the essentially the rules of procedure for the House of Representatives, okay? Um, and uh, it further continues by saying the three types of resolutions are joint resolutions, concurrent resolutions, and simple resolutions. So a bill, and this is uh, the Florida Senate uh, explains this on floridasenate.gov, a bill that is not subject to action by the governor, this is a, just a resolution in general, it is a bill that is not subject to action by the governor. It is not subject to uh, the constitutional one subject limitation. Okay, in, when you're making new laws or modifying laws, you can only talk about one subject at a time. You can't bring in all kinds of things together. Uh, and except for certain uses of joint resolutions and concurrent resolutions, it does not have the effect of law. So on the Florida Senate's website, flsenate.gov, it literally says that a resolution, but for a few limited circumstances we'll talk about in just a minute, uh, does not have the effect of law. As simple as that. Okay, so it's starting to sound like they can't enforce it upon us like it's a law. But before we go further into that, let's break down these three types, simple, concurrent, and uh, joint resolutions. Simple resolutions, if you look at that Library of Commerce, uh, Library of Commerce, Library of Congress website again, uh, it tells us that legislation, a simple resolution is legislation that relates to the operations of a single chamber or expresses the collective opinion of that chamber on public policy issues. Uh, if you're not used to that kind of lingo, what am I talking about? Again, it's just dealing with the interworkings of uh, the House of Representatives or the Senate, not both, but it's just the inner workings, the administrative stuff, the, um, you know, they might make it a, make a resolution as the House of Representatives that they want to uh, publicly support something that the president is doing or whatever, okay? Uh, on floridasenate.flsenate.gov, um, it also says that a one house, it is a one house document used for matters not involving the other house. It is often ceremonial or congratulatory in nature. Uh, you see a lot of um, resolutions at times where the Senate is going to uh, recognize a particular individual for some purpose. And uh, that that's something that would be done by a simple resolution. 
Uh, simple resolutions do not require the approval of the other house because it doesn't deal with them. Uh, nor does it require the signature of uh, the president or the governor, uh, and they don't have the force and effect of law. Straight up, that is from the uh, from Senate.gov. So that is our U.S. Senate tells us on Senate.gov that simple resolutions do not have the force and effect of law. They don't require the signature of the president or or um, you know the lower bodies uh, an analogous position. Uh, and they don't require a vote or approval from the other house. Why? Because they're just dealing with matters related to their own body. So a concurrent resolution is legislation, but not a law, that relates to the operation of Congress, including both chambers, or expresses the collective opinion of both houses. Now, that's also on the Library of Congress's website. So, of course, that's from the frame of reference for uh, the federal government. So the Library of Congress tells us that those concurrent resolutions are the housekeeping matters that apply to both uh, the House and the Senate, but they don't have the force and effect of law because they are, um, you know, they're not even regulating the people and they don't require the signature of the president either. Senate.gov will confirm that for you. Again, these links will be provided later. So uh, the FloridaSenate.gov website um, also says that a, a concurrent resolution is a resolution that is adopted by both houses and is limited to procedural legislative matters and ratification of federal constitution amendments. Okay, that's something I haven't mentioned yet. Joint resolutions. Now, these at times are considered to have the same effect as a bill. So unlike the simple or concurrent resolutions, a joint resolution at the U.S. federal level uh, does require the signature of the president or a two-thirds vote to go beyond that veto. Um, and a joint resolution in Congress is actually something uh, that could be used to propose amendments to the U.S. Constitution, uh, essentially voting to send it off to the states. That can be done by a joint resolution. Uh, notice, though, even though that kind of thing would essentially have the, the force of law, it's still not regulating the people. In fact, it's not approving of any changes to the state, uh, excuse me, to the U.S. Constitution. It is simply sending a suggestion out to the states to have them approve or not this change to the Constitution. So uh, House.gov, that's the U.S. House, tells us that there really is very little practical difference between a bill and a joint resolution. Uh, it's They follow the same procedure, um, except for the part about amending the Constitution. Uh, joint resolutions become law in the same, manners, uh, same manner as bills, but not law in the way of regulating the people. Uh, also, if you go to um, the Michigan Senate website, senate.michigan.gov, uh, you can look at their joint, uh, um, I can't even think, their rules, uh, joint rules of the House of Representatives and uh, the Senate, and look at Rule 18. So in Michigan, it says that joint resolutions can be used for one of the following purposes. One, amendments to the Constitution of the state of Michigan. Two, ratification of amendments to the U.S. Constitution that are submitted to the states by Congress. Or three, matters upon which power is solely vested in the legislatures by the U.S. Constitution. Those are the only ways that the Michigan uh, um, Senate 
has explained to the public that uh, joint resolutions can be used at the state level in Michigan. Uh, and if you go to the floridasenate.gov website that tells you that a resolution, uh, a joint resolution is one that is only the only authorized method uh, for the legislature to um, propose amendments to the state constitution. Again, it doesn't actually change the state constitution. It just officially pushes that issue, uh, that specific change out to the voters. So, um, it must pass uh, by three-fifths vote of the members of um, the legislature here in Florida in order to even get that question in front of the voters. But uh, it is technically done through a joint resolution. And that's flsenate.gov. So what do state laws, what do state statutes and state laws say about uh, that relationship between ordinances and resolutions and what's enforceable. What can a local government do? They're regulating the crap out of us. Is this, is, is a resolution a permissible way to regulate us? Well, according to the Florida statutes, and that is uh, 166.041 of the Florida statutes, an ordinance means an official legislative action of a governing body, okay, a legislative action, which action is a regulation of a general or permanent uh, nature and is enforceable as a local law. So ordinance uh, regulating, it's legislating, it's regulating the people on a regular basis and it's uh, enforceable just like a, a law. It's a local law. Now, if you jump to Michigan, Michigan has a bunch of times that resolutions are discussed, but I wanted to point out first uh, Michigan uh, MCL 42.20 and 41.183. Now, if you're wondering what the context is, the uh, chapter 42 of MCL in Michigan uh, relates to charter township governments in Michigan. And uh, chapter 41 is general townships, not just the charter townships. So 42.20 uh, in Michigan uh, compiled laws says that resolutions shall be limited to matters required or permitted to be done by resolution. Well, that seems kind of redundant, but it continues and it says, and to matters pertaining to the internal affairs or concerns of the township government, internal, not pushed out to the people, but how they function internally. Any other, this is still, I'm quoting this. This is not um, my opinion of it or my interpretation. This is an exact quote. Any other act of the township board and any act, any act imposing a sanction for the violation of one of those acts shall be by ordinance. So Michigan says it, Florida says it. If you want to regulate the people at a local level, making those uh, regulations and, and whatnot um, for the people at the local level has to be done by ordinance. And like I said there with Michigan, it's saying you can't do it by resolution. It has to be by ordinance. So it discusses both of those and how they're not the same. Uh, the Florida statute does talk about uh, the differences and compares and contrasts uh, ordinances and resolutions as well. So MCL 41.183, also allows a township board to provide a township ordinance um, to provide in a township ordinance 
a sanction for a violation of a township ordinance. So again, whether you're creating the first, you know, part of it, the rule saying you can and cannot do something, uh, <clears throat> but or the second part of it, meaning if you do violate this regulation, now here is here here's what we're going to do. Here's the consequences. Both of those, declaring something uh, illegal and then creating that enforcement mechanism or that punishment, both of those have to be by ordinance. That's Michigan state law telling you that. And that's applicable to all townships all across uh, the state of Michigan. Criminal procedure in Michigan uh, allows complaints for violations of felonies, misdemeanors, uh, or ordinance violations, not resolutions. And if you want to know where that's found, that's MCL 761.1C. Also in 761.1, but in OI as the, the sub part of that statute, it says that violations of local regulations, you're violating, you won't leave, you know, in the case of what I was doing, we were petitioning there and she said I had to leave and I, she said I was violating their, their ordinance, which was actually a resolution, um, because she said the resolution gave her the right to just kick anybody off the property at the township whenever she felt like it. Um, so what MCL 761.101 uh, says about that is that violations of those local regulations are not only um, are only punishable for township ordinances or charters. So in other words, if you are violating your township charter or maybe even county charter, but if you're violating your township charter, which is like your, your local constitution or the actual law, the ordinance, then uh, you can be uh, brought to court for a violation of violating those. But it doesn't allow for um, violations of local resolutions to be prosecuted or brought to court. Last one for Michigan state law. MCL 600.8311 and uh, 600 is the chapter on revised judicatory act, I think is the official term. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of stuff jam-packed into that act. But 600.8311, it gives district courts their jurisdiction. What can a district court even take a case for? Well, it says that the district court jurisdiction is over ordinance and charter violations, misdemeanors, some felony hearings, typically the beginning stages of a felony case. And um, it does not list resolutions. It doesn't say uh, the state law does not allow district courts to have jurisdiction over violating a resolution. And there is uh, a court doctrine, if you will, for those that uh, like that whole um, uh, case precedence thing. The Michigan gun case that was decided recently, they were quoting a 2017 Michigan Supreme Court case, People v. Wilson. And uh, they said that if the, if the legislature in a statute, they're listing a bunch of things, the expression of one thing suggests the exclusion of all others. So if they're going to give you that list and say, okay, um, district courts have jurisdiction over violations of uh, some felonies, uh, some felony hearings, uh, violations of misdemeanors, violations of city ordinances and um, or township ordinances and charter violations, that local constitution, 
and it doesn't say anything about them having jurisdiction over violating resolutions, that means, according to this Supreme Court case, uh, just from 2017, that the court does not have jurisdiction over violating ordinances. It's not a thing. Okay, so what does the actual Constitution say? So we've talked about it at the state level for the last little bit. Let's back up to the United States level and Congress. Look at the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 7, Clause 3. Compared with Clause 2, where um, the Constitution is discussing how bills become laws, bills become laws, Clause 3 merely mentions the concurrent resolutions that require the president's approval or then the two-thirds vote of Congress if it's over uh, a presidential veto. In other words, only bills become laws, but resolutions may be used for matters um, affecting the business of the House and Senate. So the U.S. Constitution talks about how a bill becomes a law. It is, it is a bill that turns into a law. It later references resolutions, concurrent resolutions, but does not um, give Congress or anyone the ability to make resolutions that have the same effect as laws. Okay, Florida State Constitution. Uh, Florida Constitution, Article 11. You have sections one and section five. You also have Florida State Constitution, Article 12, section 11. Those talk about uh, the, the legislature having the ability to use resolutions to amend the state constitution or to begin the process of amending the state constitution to put the issue in front of the people. So that is a permissible use of resolutions. Uh, you also have um, requests for intra-governmental intra action. So if the legislature or uh, any other governmental um, you know, legislative body at a, at a lower level, if, if your city council, if your legislature, what, legislature, whatever, if they want a local school board, if they need or want, they're requesting another government official or agency to do something, then they can do that through a resolution. That's not done through a law, typically through a bill or um, an ordinance. Uh, it is through a resolution. They're directing somebody or asking somebody, hey, we think this needs to be done. Could you do this? And then that other body or other official has to follow the proper procedures to, to do that action. Um, and that's uh, Florida Constitution, Article 5, Section 3, and uh, Article 12's sections nine and 18. Again, you don't have to memorize that. And if you're curious about all those sections, I will um, put that in the PowerPoint or um, at least in the constitution segment recap somehow. So uh, administrative matters. The Florida state constitution allows for resolutions to be used for administrative matters like uh, the rules of legislative procedure, the rules of what they're doing, how they do um, legislative hearings and things like that. Um, appointing an auditor of public records, um, adjourning, like there's a, you can use a resolution or you have to use a resolution to uh, uh, basically set up your adjournment when, when the session of legislature is going to be over, um, or effect, the effective date of laws that are passed over um, a, govern, a governor veto. 
uh, just talking about the date that things go into place. There is uh, a resolution that is used to establish that date. So those are all administrative types of things that the Florida State Constitution says you can use a resolution to do. Florida Constitution Article 3, um, that's sections 2, 3, 9, and 19, and then Florida State Constitution Article 8, sections 1 and section 4, talk about all those types of administrative things. Okay. Florida State Constitution, last one in the Florida State Constitution is Article 3, section 16, uh, talks about using resolutions for the purposes of redistricting, apportionment, you know, what they're doing, you know, this, this year after the census has been completed. So every single time resolution is talked about as a tool in the Florida State Constitution, it's um, talking about the permissible uses and it's never saying you can use resolutions to make laws to regulate the people. Never. Anywhere in there. Not at any level of government. Now, the Michigan State Constitution has a similar take on it. Um, the Michigan Constitution has several places where it's talking about the permissible uses for resolutions. They can use it for redistricting. That's, um, oh, I don't remember. Well, that's that's was changed recently now that we have the Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. Uh, but um, in Michigan, Article 4, Section, section 12 uh, allows for using resolutions for state officer compensation, what people are going to get paid when they're working for the government as a state officer. You can also use a resolution for adjourning sessions of legislature. Um, that's Section uh, Article 4, Section 13, uh, le the legislature's administrative rules. Again, how they do business. That's Article 4, Section 37. Uh, disputing um, Disputes concerning public employees. They can set the procedure for how disputes uh, with public employees are handled. And uh, that's in uh, Article 4, Section 48. Uh, restructuring the executive branch. We've talked about that one a few times. Article 5, Section 2. They use a resolution to essentially veto or uh, disapprove of how the governor may want to restructure the executive branch of Michigan state government. Uh, you use a, a resolution in the process of removing judges from office and in merit systems for local government. Okay, that's all, those are all the permissible uses that are talked about. Uh, and they're administrative in nature. And those last ones were um, Article 4, uh, excuse me, Article 6, uh, Section 25, and Article 11, Section 6. Okay, so the Michigan State Constitution goes a little bit further and it says, okay, but we know that um, Article, and this is Article 7, Section 2 and Section 12 are what I'm going to talk about. Section 2 is dealing with the county level, Section 12 is the local township, city, village level, okay? In both of those situations, it uh, says that that local governing body has the authority to adopt resolutions and ordinances, okay? But it doesn't talk about what you're using an ordinance for and what you're using a resolution for. But what it does specifically say is that those municipal resolutions are subject to the Constitution and the law. They're secondary to that. So... Um, all right. That is, um, all that I wanted to share with you specific to the constitution, but this gets even better because, you know, not only do we have the Bible telling us what the truth is, uh, we have the, uh, library of Congress. We have, um, sorry, I had way too much 
let stuff come out. Um, we have the Library of Congress telling us um, about resolutions and how you can use them properly. We have the state uh, legislative websites for the, you know, the Florida House, Florida Senate, Michigan House, Michigan Senate, etc. We have uh, the Constitution of the U.S. We have the Florida and Michigan state constitutions. Uh, we have all different kinds of stuff, right? I, I even talked about rules of procedure, you know, criminal procedure, that kind of thing. But there's also cases. And I'm not one that's big on case law and case precedent because the only people that get to make laws are in the legislative branch, right? But let's look at what the cases actually say. So uh, you have uh, Michigan... Um, uh, appellate case, people v. Rap. Uh, they quote people, um, the people v. Maggot case from 2017. And they say that our courts only interpret ordinances, right? And that the courts, when they start hearing a case that's challenging this local government action, they presume that ordinances are constitutional at the onset of the case. Not resolutions. They're not presuming that resolutions are constitutional. A resolution, uh, and this is coming from a Michigan Supreme Court case from 1956, Kalamazoo Municipal Utilities uh, versus the city of Kalamazoo. A resolution, this is point blank, hang on to your seats, right? A resolution is not a law. What? A resolution is not a law or ordinance, but merely the form in which a legislative body expresses a determination or directs a particular action. Okay. An ordinance prescribes a permanent rule for conduct of government while a resolution is of special or temporary character. Okay. Just some differences that they know. Michigan Supreme Court, and this is well over 50 years ago. An administrative act, such as reciting past occurrences or existing conditions, that could be done in a resolution, but that's different from uh, the legislative affirming a declaration, affirmative declaration of uh, the city council or township board or whatever to terminate an already existing right. If the local board wants to terminate your right in some way. So for example, in my case, I had a right to be at that property. I had a right to represent my client. My client had a right to be uh, at that property. And so that was an existing right. And they were trying to use this resolution to terminate that right for me to be there. Well, those affirmative declaratory uh, statements that terminate an already existing right have to be done by ordinance. Those are legislative in nature. That's what the, uh, um, Michigan Supreme Court said way back in 1921, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is over 100 years ago, the Michigan Supreme Court already was describing it uh, as those two separate um, distinct things. So that, that same case later said, um, again, that uh, an ordinance has uh, been defined to be defined to be a permanent continuing regulation regulating the people. That's what a regulation is, regulating the people. 
while a resolution is an act that's of temporary character, not prescri prescribing any kind of uh, rule, permanent rule of government, right? It's, it's different. Okay. So uh, the Michigan Supreme Court in 1971 in the Rolling Wood case said that resolutions are for implementing ministerial functions of government for short-term purposes. Okay, what we talked about, you can uh, express your will in a resolution as a local township board or city council. You can, um, you know, say that you want, uh, you know, to have a, another governing body, um, you know, step in to do what they need to do to um, buy some, some land on behalf of your municipality or whatever. But the actual buying of it would be different. Uh, but uh, they say then that ordinances are for establishing more permanent influences on the community itself. I don't know how much clearer this could be. So let's, let's relook at that. 1971 case from Michigan Supreme Court. Resolutions are for administering ministerial functions of government uh, for short-term purposes, but ordinances are for establishing more permanent influences on the community itself, we the people. So if you're going to regulate we the people, if you're going to tell us we can't do something, uh, that is a more permanent thing. If you're going to take away my rights, that's not a temporary act of the local government. That is a permanent thing, and it's influencing the community itself. So that needs to be done by ordinance. Okay, so... The same case also then says, this is great stuff, guys. I might sound boring, but I guarantee you this is important and something you will want to know if you yourself are ever encountering an issue with this. Same case in 1971, Michigan Supreme Court says that where the substance of city or township uh, action requires the adoption of an ordinance, the substance of what they're doing requires an ordinance, a resolution cannot operate as a de facto ordinance. So the Court of Appeals uh, in this 1971 case, the lower court, the Court of Appeals had said, well, yeah, it was supposed to be done by ordinance, but we're going to treat the resolution as a de facto ordinance. We're going to act as though it was adopted, that what they were trying to do was done through the ordinance process instead of the resolution process. So we could just fix it. We'll just say after the fact that they did it through the correct process. That's what the Court of Appeals said. The Michigan Supreme Court came and smacked that stupid, ridiculous philosophy down and said, are you kidding me? No. If something is required to be an ordinance, it has to be an ordinance. You can't just say a resolution becomes an ordinance. So, um, trying to find the last thing I wanted to say about that. Um, okay. So, they continued by saying that the attempt to legislate by resolution is simply a nullity. Okay, so legislate. So legislation by resolution is a nullity. It's void. Okay. So um, the U.S. Supreme Court, though, they've chimed in on this and they don't recognize uh, resolutions as valid regulations either. In fact, uh, it's stated that it is properly drawn statutes. This is a quote, properly drawn statutes and ordinances that are designed to pro promote law and order, 
protect the community against disorder, regulate traffic, safeguard legitimate interests in public and private property, protect the administration of justice, and other essential government functions. That's done through ordinance. That is the um, U.S. Supreme Court case, uh, Cox v. Louisiana from 1965 that we talked about earlier. And um, we also, I mean, when judges in Michigan are deciding cases, one of the things they look at is the municipal, I can't even talk today, municipal, no, <laughs> no, the Michigan Judicial Institute uh, for the, the manuals called District Court Magistrate Manual. Okay. And if you look at the 2021 edition, so this isn't something old and outdated. If you look at that edition, it tells us that a local ordinance, only a local ordinance is defined as a type of law enacted by a local unit of government. It doesn't tell the judges, hey, make sure you're, you're considering those resolutions as um, local laws enacted by the, uh, the local government. No, it's saying those ordinances, you have to consider those as laws because that is a type of law enacted by the local unit of government. So let's recap. What does this mean? It means that a resolution is not a law or an ordinance, but merely just the form in which that legislative body expresses a determination or directs a particular action. Again, that's Michigan Supreme Court from 1956. So in other words, no courts, no courts treat resolutions the same as ordinances and citizens can't be charged for violating resolutions. So if you just wanted the short uh, answer of can resolutions be uh, treated as laws and be used to regulate the people, the answer is no, has always been no. But if you stayed to listen to why from the Bible, to the Library of Congress, to our governmental websites, to state statutes, uh, state constitution, U.S. constitution, cases, criminal codes of procedure, even those reference books that judges use to know how to decide different cases. If you look at all of that, the, the information is, is a resounding no. Resolutions are not laws and they cannot be used to regulate the people. All the permissible uses for resolutions at the federal, state, and local government level are administrative in nature or celebratory in nature, uh, declaring something to be, you know, um, donut week or something like that. That'd be stupid, but it does happen. Uh, those things. And if you're in Michigan and you uh, know anything about our uh, legislature as it currently is or has been for the last you know five years, State Representative Steve Johnson took up a tradition that um, Congressman Justin Amash had started years ago, but going on social media and explaining all of his votes uh, after every vote. And uh, one of the things that I have always loved from State Representative Steve Johnson in Michigan is that when he's explaining those, he explains on every single time a resolution comes up and they want to declare something, you know, like national or uh, statewide donut day or whatever. All those types of things, uh, when he when you're using resolutions in that manner, he says that's not even the proper function of government. So he votes down all of those requests or resolutions. Uh, and usually they pass anyway. But uh, I think it's important to recognize uh, that that's not the proper role of government and uh, give Steve the, the two thumbs up for doing the right thing in that regard. So... Um, 
we've uh, we've talked about quite a bit today. I'm going to jump over um, to my other screen here. Okay, so I guess this video would have been two hours if we had done all the other segments in uh, together. I was hoping to keep it under an hour, but we're close. So um, let's see. I'm going to just look at real quick if we have any questions. Can you hold them accountable for deprivation of rights? Um, I think that question is probably going to my discussion on my Allegan County case. And yeah, you better believe that I will be uh, doing some work to make sure. Basically, it's it's not going to be the type of situation where I'm going to have a get rich quick scheme by you know suing them and, and recovering all kinds of money damages. But it is something I want to use this um, situation that happened to me in Allegan County to be the catalyst for significant change in Michigan and hopefully, quite frankly, all across the country uh, to make sure that people all across Michigan, no matter what municipality, if you're in a big old city like Detroit or if you're in a tiny town like the city of Belding uh, or smaller yet, the, the village of Saranac, uh, that you will not have your deprivation of rights like like I did in this Allegan County case, that, that all the ways that they went wrong and they went wrong in a billion different ways, right? that those things will not be done again to anyone else in the future. So I don't know exactly uh, what mechanisms God is going to help me use to make that a thing, but I am going to stay on this wild ride uh, until that goal is, is um, achieved. So would I consider resolutions comparable to executive orders? That is what Cassie's asking on Facebook right now. Uh, what I consider resolutions comparable to executive orders? The answer is, in some respects, yes. Um, the In the sense that they could be used to handle the internal affairs within that particular, um, you know, House or Senate, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, because an executive order is meant to be uh, handling the internal affairs of the executive branch, how uh, they are enforcing the laws and, and just different procedural things, uh, logistical concerns that don't actually affect the substantive rights of the people, but more the technical side on the back end of how they're doing their jobs. OK, so I would say that in that regard, yeah, an executive order is a heck of a lot like a resolution by a local um, legislative body. Okay. So the court case in Michigan, this is Richard on YouTube is asking, uh, so that court case in Michigan ordinances are for their conduct only. Uh, are they applicable to me? I'm not sure what your question is. If you are still watching and still want to know, uh, the answer to that question, I'd be happy to answer it, but I'm not sure I understand what that question is. So, uh, in the meantime, if I don't see it pop up with, um, a different way to word that question. Keep in mind that this is something that we will be continuing to talk about. And perhaps uh, if you end up thinking of a different way to word that question later, or you're watching this later, you're not even watching it live. Uh, you're somebody else that comes up with a, a different question later that we didn't talk about in the video today. You can try to contact us and let us know what that question is. And if it's something we did not cover in the video, we will, um, you know, make every attempt possible to come on and, and do a, a special video this week to cover the answer to that topic. So uh, with that being said, make sure to check out the uh, True or False Tuesday questions that have been posted on all of our social media channels uh, and accounts. Uh, answer that poll. The question, uh, the answer to the question will be posted at 10 o'clock tonight. 
Obviously, if you've been listening to today's episode, you already know the answer, but if you just want to make sure you got the right one, uh, the answer will be posted at 10 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow, our Way to Get Involved Wednesday challenge will be uh, shared with you relating to this very important topic. Thursday, of course, we'll do that constitution and statute in case uh, precedent uh, recap for you. And um, again, it's not going to be a total discussion of everything, but just recapping some of those things. Um, and uh, Friday, we will do that Freedom Fighting Tools, Fri Friday's Freedom Fighting Tools, where we will give you um, all the tools that you need to be able to double check some of the stuff for yourself and find different things and uh, help you with your Wednesday's Way to Get Involved Challenge. Saturday, we'll talk to you about our great item for the week, a way that you can easily support Restore Freedom and help to spread the word. In fact, uh, my good friend Rachel Atwood did a great little video showing off uh, the product for the week. Everything, of course, is, is sold to you at cost. We don't make any money on those. That's just uh, to help spread the word about what we're doing, QR codes so people can scan it if they see it, When you if you have that particular item out and about with you. Um, and of course, Sunday will be our biblical insight where I might mention the couple of pieces earlier that I talked about for the Bible, but there's actually a different element to it. Because again, remember, this is April Fool's Day on Friday, and we want to make sure that we're not played uh, for a fool by the government any longer. And we are going to get as much information on these topics as possible so that we can truly fight back, know how and why and uh everything else in between so um looks like i didn't get that question reworded by richard so um again i'll uh see if i could try to answer that for you if you want to send it to us over in a different way or perhaps i did end up answering it later on but i thank all of you who joined us today and especially those of you who said hello or asked questions i love to have that back and forth that dialogue to make sure we're all learning something here and uh, I really appreciate all the support that you guys provide. Don't forget to check out that newsletter that we send out once a week. If you're not already, already receiving it, number one, check your spam folder just to make sure it's not in there. But number two, uh, please um, uh, sign up for our newsletter if you're not receiving it and it's not in your spam. That's available on our website. And um, we thank you for all the prayers and other ways that you do support us. So uh, have an absolutely wonderful afternoon. And to my up north friends, I will try to send you as much sunshine as I possibly can. All right, guys, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week.